You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Shank, I'm disappointed that... um we scrapped all three shrapnels last week with Otis. The, Are you though? Well, the one, me and my recovery. I mean, I, I think we should have kept that. Everything is about you. Yes, I mean my and your recovery, recovery. My my recovery is the most important. Right? If anybody's going to relapse, I hope it's I hope it's y'all, not me. <laughs> I think there's some shrapnel uh, relating to that somewhere. Uh, I'm sure there is. Listen, we uh, we are notorious for scrapping shrapnel or sh- scrapping slogans. So if you're out there and you got any that you want to send us, send it to freedom at alcoholicsalive.com or hit us up on the gram, TikTok, Facebook, Alcoholics Alive. We will uh, we'll add it to our list and bring it up. We're excited to have our guest on straight from uh, the, the the eastern shore of North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> I just made that up. It's not a term we that's, use in North Carolina. That's good. But I kind of like it. Amy, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We're glad that you were able to join us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Um, let's see. I'm Amy. I'm an alcoholic. And my sobriety date is January 16th of 2004. Um, got a home group here in Wilmington, or the eastern shore of North Carolina. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a turning point. Women's meeting meets every Wednesday night at 630. And the second Wednesday of the month, each month, we do a tradition study. So um, <clears throat> really grounded in the traditions, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, got a sponsor, sponsor women. Try to do the deal. Cool. Tell us a little bit how you got to AA. How did I get to AA? Well, hold on now. First, first, so so congratulations on 20 years of sobriety. Thank you. Thank you. I heard I that right. So Pretty you just awesome. celebrated 20 years? I did. Yeah. Just a few weeks ago. Who knew? That's, Who'd have thunk it? Not me. Uh, exactly. I, me neither. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> man, if I can get there, then anybody can get there. Yeah, yeah um, it's kind of crazy. It's like I've reached that point where I've been sober longer than I've than I drank. Right. You know, yeah. so that whole this yeah. is the normal, and that was that's not, which is weird. Um, but yeah, now, pretty I mean, soon, I, you know what's uh, next? What you're gonna have somebody sponsored that says you got sober before I was alive? <laughs> you know that's gonna happen. That's the worst. <laughs> I hear that crap every day, just about. It's aggravating. I mean, I got plenty of, you know, you're old enough to be my mom's going on at oh, work. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll we'll send you a virtual chip, Amy. Thank you. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. Um, so finish. I interrupted you. No, no, you're good. So, no, I mean, I came crawling in here um, around 2003. Um, it's like 
my last drink, if I knew it was going to be my last drink, it would have been a lot more memorable, you know, <laughs> but it was really, you know, I'd been coming around to AA for about nine months and I had a sponsor, but I was drinking. I was going to meetings, but I was drinking after every meeting and I was picking up white chips and then I'd drink and then I'd lie. And I was just this, this whole mishmash of just not being able to get honest with, you know, the fact that I was an alcoholic with myself, um, mainly and with others. But, um, you know, that, that last drink was a night before I went to a brunch with my then sponsor who had like 15 sponsees at the time. She was a crazy idiot. And just <laughs> she was crazy. She had 15 sponsees and she had this brunch for all of her sponsees. Cause it was her anniversary it was right around when I got sober. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so we have this big brunch and she tells me I'm riding with her, of course, because I have no car. I'm riding with her to this this brunch that's going to be a meeting. And she tells me on the way over that we're going to have a meeting at this brunch. And the topic is going to be what spiritual principle have you practiced the most over the course of the past year? And I'm like, oh, no, I am so screwed because I haven't practiced any. I don't even know what they are, much less have right. I practiced any of them. <laughs> and so we get to this brunch and, you know, it comes to me. And, you know, the only thing that I could say at that moment, that was my my moment of of I got honest and said, you know, I drank again. I had just drank two days prior and I got honest with this group of women and they surrounded me and swarmed me just like they have continued to do in all the 20 years that I've been sober. And, um, you know, that was, that was my turning point was, was getting honest with that group of women. And then, uh, a couple days later, um, my sponsor at the time, she was really good friends with a man named Mike way who lived here in Wilmington, who had been sober since God, you know, to me, anybody over, you know, 30 days have been sober since God, but he'd been <laughs> sober for many, many, many years. Yeah. And, he was in hospice and we went to visit him that night after our home group, after I picked up what I didn't know then was my last white chip, but we went to visit Mike in hospice and, um, and he ended up passing away with us in the room that night. And, you know, here I was this little drunk who couldn't stay sober more than, you know, 24, 48 hours. And, you know, he passed away and it was one of those, it was a spiritual moment. Like I felt the love that was in the room of his daughters that were in there of my sponsor. And, you know, it was one of those, like that man literally left this world doing 12 step work. Cause I haven't had a drink since, you know, it's like, that yeah. was, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of, that was when I, I stuck and stayed. Stuck and stayed, huh? <laughs> huh? Mike, Mike way. Twelve steps you right into it. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> well, thanks, yeah. thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I think if my sponsor tried to take me to a brunch, number one, I wouldn't have known what a brunch was. <laughs> I don't think. Do you now? <laughs> barely. Uh, uh, funny shank. Um, mm -hmm. What is brunch? We don't need to go there. <laughs> what What's our topic? That's a better question. Our topic today is Tradition 6, so I'll read the long form here, and it is long. Problems of money, property, and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. We think, therefore, that any considerable property of genuine use to AA should be separately incorporated and managed, thus dividing the material from the spiritual. An AA group as such should never go into business. 
Secondary aids to AA, such as clubs or hospitals, which require much property or administration, ought to be incorporated and so set apart that, if necessary, they can be freely discarded by the groups. Hence, such facilities ought not to use the AA name. Their management about their management ought be the sole responsibility of those people who financially support them. For clubs, AA managers are usually preferred. But hospitals, as well as other places of recuperation, ought to be well outside AA, medically supervised. While an AA group may cooperate with anyone, such cooperation ought never go as far as affiliation or endorsement, actual or implied. An AA group can bind itself to no one. And the short form says, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Okay. So with that, I ask both of you, should my fellow group members and I go out and raise money to endow several AA beds in our local hospital? <laughs> what do you think, Amy? No. <laughs> that's that's how simple that okay. is, I guess. No, yeah. Nope, shouldn't do it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like I don't have experience actually going out and trying to raise money to endow some AA beds in my local hospital. But, I mean, if I'm reading the tradition and interpreting it correctly, it's to do that as AA is to affiliate AA with that hospital. And so, no. Jerry? Well, I was a member of a group in Ohio that had a, I know I've told some of this before, they had like $8,000 in their treasury now, and they had the same treasurer for a long time. And when I joined the group and, and got involved and found out about all that, we, we ended up, I ended up putting my wisdom on them and told them that they needed to get rid of the money. And, uh, that was oh, a good. joke. That was a joke. <laughs> um, but when they decided that they were going to go ahead and try to disperse the money, they, there were several members of the group that actually wanted to pay rent at this halfway house for like new members. Mm. That's an actual real life, like, in the in the last 15 years like scenario where a members thought that was okay so that's not exactly what this question's asking but it was a similar situation where and people thought it was a great idea yeah we're going to pay for bids in this high for rent in this halfway house and we'll let people stay there and it sounds good but it's not in the not in the spirit of this tradition so yeah and that's uh, what i think about did the person who suggested that own the halfway house? <laughs> you know, that's so, so that's a very good question. And they may have, they may have been some kind of part owner. And I don't, th I, I don't know, but I never thought about that. You got that devious mind. That's how I <laughs> thought about that. That quick. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when you say like, no matter how good the intention, it's like, it could it could sound good on the surface, but like I think our job is to dig deeper, you know, and really look into like what is what's really being asked here and where is the money really going kind of thing, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And could you imagine? So if you think about it, let's say we did it. Then you start arguing over who's going to stay there or what do you got to do to get the, the bed or to get the room. And mm-hmm. then that's when people start arguing and they start debating over what to do with the space. And we forget to help alcoholics. Yeah. You get diverted. And like that first, the first question I was thinking about just, you know, because it asked my fellow group members and I, it's like, okay, if I want to run out and try to raise some money and, and help the hospital put in a bed for recovery, I can do that as yep. long as I'm not out there saying, hey, we're putting an AA bed in this hospital and I'm from Turning Point AA group, you know, but I got every yep. right to run out there and raise money for a noble cause that I choose to, to Absolutely. pursue, you know? Yep. Yep. And I think there's a lot of early experience with stuff like this. I mean, AA tried, there were groups and members that tried to have detoxes and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of little mini treatment centers and recovery houses. And every time that became more important than actually helping alcoholics. And it's just, it's a true, it's just a a huge diversion. distraction. Yeah. And I was reading something the other day. It's like, we've got enough to do inside of AA to focus on than to worry about all these other things, regardless of how good intentioned it may be. You know, we have plenty of work to do here. There's plenty of alcoholics that we haven't reached yet that need the primary message of recovery, not whether or not I'm going to have a bed in the hospital kind of thing. Yeah, Good point. What's next, Shank? Our next question are all the officers and members of our local club for AAs familiar with the quote guidelines on clubs, which is available free from GSO? I'll say down here on the Eastern shore, <laughs> probably not, but maybe more now. And what I'll, I'll tell you probably about 10, 10 years ago, 10 or 15, years, I can't remember now, but it's been several years ago. We, um, a local like nonprofit company organization wanted to build a fellowship center because previously our intergroup building had AA meetings in it oh, yeah. and they wanted to kind of separate the AA meetings from the intergroup. And so, wow. this, you know, great nonprofit organization was formed to build the fellowship center and everybody's I remember like, yeah, this is a great idea. It was, it was great. But what ended up happening was, um, they get into building this beautiful building and apparent there was like some coding issues, some legal coding issues that it was going to cost more than what they had originally anticipated, like $30,000 more of cost than what they had planned. So at that time, intergroup and this nonprofit organization were very tightly coupled. And um, so when they realized they needed 30 grand, they were, the intergroup got involved and sent out in our newsletter um, asking the groups to help fund oh, the additional $30,000, literally asking for contributions from the groups. And um, so I say that, no, they obviously weren't <laughs> aware of the guidelines on clubs, but, um, but yeah, it was just this really enmeshed nasty. It, they ended up getting the money. Now I, my home group didn't, we stopped contributing to intergroup for a long period of time, as did many other home groups, because that's kind of our, we have the power of the purse. That's how we can, you know, retali- not retaliate. 
that's how we can influence. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and so that's what we did. And I know a number of other groups did too, but you know, um, but the, they got the money, you know, and, and it's fine now. I mean, now it's a separate, the fellowship center is separate from the inner group meetings meet there. They pay the rent to the, you know, fellowship center organization. It's just, it's very sticky sometimes. And I don't mm -hmm. think enough people are aware and that's where we have to come in. And yeah, there's no AA police. However, <laughs> there are guardians of these traditions. And as yeah. a guardian of this tradition, the traditions and as a, a guardian of this thing that saved my life, you know, I have a responsibility to kind of educate folks you know not control yeah. but but educate and inform them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's part of the and, problem with a lot of that stuff is people are just uninformed it is yeah. it is yeah i mean so for the longest time it's people referred to the fellowship center as the intergroup like they're one, seen as one and the same and it it mm -hmm. really has taken a really long time to decouple those two things and i i still don't think they're completely just you know decoupled in a lot of people's minds but the people that i talk to they are you know the people that yeah. the other people i know who are you know informers yeah. inform so it's a great example it 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 really speaks right to the first sentence in the long form problems of mm -hmm. money property and authority may easily divert us from our primary spiritual aim. Yeah. So we get so caught up in, in that case and the property and the building and the raising the money for it, that you know, people are more, more, uh, they're more involved in that than they are just helping another alcoholic. Yeah. Hmm. I would say that around here, Shank, that I, I don't know the answer to the question. I can tell you what it looks like to me is that they are not familiar with guidelines on clubs or intergroups, mm -hmm. but maybe they are. Well, I thought I was until I looked at it recently and realized it had been revised in 2022. <laughs> so if you haven't looked at the AA guidelines that is now called relationship between AA and clubs, it has some revisions. So Maybe stay up to date on that. Look at it every day. I don't know when they update this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And just so you know, we are, uh, we're going to work with uh, some officers and some committee members at GSO to figure out the communication on when they actually change mm -hmm. the guidelines. And we used to get communications when there was changes to even service material. I mean, you always get it when there's a change to a, a conference approved literature. But on some of that service material, they used to let you know. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been told, but there's a revision in that one that needs to be looked at because it specifically talks about COVID-19, which mm -hmm. seems to be an outside issue to me. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on, Shank. I don't want to go down that that path tonight. All right, our third question. <laughs> It says some alcoholics will stay around AA only if we have a TV and a card room. If this is what is required to carry the message to them, should we have these facilities? And so in order to update this to our current 2024 standards, 
I just really don't believe that a TV in a card room would cut it. So for you all, I wanted to update it to maybe a smart TV and a Spotify account or TikTok, an iPad and a TikTok account. Yes. Maybe an Xbox. Yes. And a headset controller. Love it. <laughs> if that is what is required to carry the message, should we have these? So I know that is when I thought when I got sober, when I thought that I needed all of these things in order to get sober, I didn't stay sober. You know what I mean? It was only mm -hmm. until everything was stripped away and I was just in a state of desperate hopelessness that I was able to hear the message. And I didn't care if there was a TV and I didn't care if there was a TikTok or something. I didn't have a damn iPhone. I didn't have, I didn't have anything, you know, I didn't have any of the things. So it's like, to me, AA should not be, we, no, no, we don't provide this stuff. We provide a meeting space, you know, that's it. We provide a room where one drunk can talk to another drunk and and you know relay the message and that's all we need and if they're not if they have to have a tv and a card room then they're not ready and mm -hmm. if i feel like i want to have those things as an aa member i can go and have people over to my house to play cards and watch tv at my house you could i could yeah what is the book the big book says that um if a guy's clamoring for material or money or a job, then he's he's not he's not ready. That's not exactly what it says. And then it, it says money, jo job, no job, wife or no wife. You know that if you start putting demands on your sobriety or that you say that you got to have this or that to stay sober, you're probably not ready. Yeah. So I think that kind of ties in with that question. The I can tell you this, I have been to meetings around the country. I don't do it anymore, but when I, when I traveled a lot, I would go a lot of times the clubhouse was the only meeting you could like get. And I've, I've two examples. One was in California and one was in Pennsylvania. I went into the clubhouse in Pennsylvania and I walked in and there was a TV on and there were, f I think it was four, probably five guys at a table playing cards and they'd never acknowledged me. Mm. Now I will say this, the, the, I got there a little early before the meeting started and people did start filtering in and people did talk to me, but those guys at the table playing cards never acknowledged me. The whole time they were more involved in their card game and i think they might have been watching some reruns of dukes of hazard or something on the what on what the meeting TV. was it we may have a listener up there we can <laughs> see what's happening name the meeting it was in harrisburg pennsylvania i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't remember the name of the meeting um and i've been to you know, I have been to some clubhouses where they have the pool tables and the foosball tables and the card games. And, um, I mean, I, I think I, the original premise behind that is to get people there and keep them, give them a safe space and, 
you know, to maybe do things in between meetings and stuff like that. So it's probably had, it's probably in, well intended, but a lot of times it, it, it doesn't serve the intended purpose. I don't think, I, don't, I mean, maybe it does for some people, but to demand that or to think you have to have that to get sober, that's that. I don't think that works for anybody. Yeah. And there's always going to be something that somebody wants, you know what I mean? It could be different for yeah. everybody. You know, maybe I want a bat. I won't stay sober unless there's underwater basket weaving in there. I won't stay sober unless there's yoga. Like there's always going to be something, you know, yes. but that's not, that's not the primary yep. purpose. No, I um, wanted my wife in a car back. I, yeah. I didn't have either. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get I, either. I stayed <laughs> sober. Sometimes I didn't even have a book. Yeah. So I think yeah. like it, what is required to carry the message for me at times was just my personal experience mm -hmm. because that's all I had. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the way that I really understand tradition six, other than I guess when I had someone that I was helping made a, a, a meeting at a club, her home group. And she was like, I have to pay like $150 and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, what are they doing over there? And it was to be a board member at the club. And I still don't completely understand what all that is about. Um, but that is an instance where I was like, make any other meeting anywhere other than that place, your home group, because I don't even know how to deal with that. But um, the way that I understand this today is has just been through experience of taking meetings into the prison because those women a lot of times don't have experience and going to an AA meeting outside of that facility and maybe they never will. And I've said this several times on this podcast, I think, but, you know, it's very important. Uh, some of the ladies that have gone in with me over the years don't agree, but to me, it's very important to make sure they know, like, we are not employees of this facility. We are volunteers and we are only bringing in an AA meeting. You know, like, I'm not here to talk about your girlfriend or what's going on on the grounds or who you're mad at today or, I mean, the news station that was here or the governor came through or whatever. Like, that's not why we're here um, because they do kind of sometimes get this uh, idea because of the facility that it's a class and mm -hmm. that uh, a instructor is somehow mm -hmm. affiliated with the prison. Yeah. You know, when we started a new meeting there in the last several years, it was, oh, we want this to be the NCCIW freedom group, you know, the name of the prison. And I remember thinking like, ah, that just doesn't sound right. And then, of course, going and talking to my sponsor, she was like, well, yeah, that's that's a that's implying affiliation with that facility like mm -hmm. you don't want to do that um and i'm sure that we did like some really long drawn out study of tradition six um i wasn't interested in it at that time i was like if you say not to do it i'm not going to do it and i'm probably going to tell them it's tradition six and we'll talk about it in the six months and i'll figure it out before then. <laughs> <laughs> but um those are the experience, like the the real life experiences, I think, that I have with those um, are kind of that implied affiliation with mm -hmm. AA somehow. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in this tradition about sticking to the primary purpose of just one alcohol cup and another and not getting diverted by, you know, money or property or authority. I think that it... it um. 
there's a lot of utility in your personal life too of not letting um we should have had we should we got to change the shrapnel shank what's that <laughs> saying a will give you a life that'll take you away from AA. Yeah, that should be the shrapnel that ties right into this tradition because mm -hmm. in in your in my personal life it's important for me to to not let material stuff and 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 activity and uh, you know authority or prestige in my life stop me from growing spiritually and you know, trying to help other people. And sometimes life can get so busy and you get, you get involved in other stuff that it, it could be easy to, to, to stop doing certain spiritual activities and taking simple actions in Alcoholics Anonymous. So I think it's a, it's kind of a, a guard against that. Um, and you know, I mean, you, you grow, you grow spiritually and your life gets good and, and, and things do change, but, um, it's important to keep growing spiritually and not let that stuff get in the way of it. Absolutely. I love that you brought it back to the personal part. Cause I remember early on one of my sponsors, one of the first sponsors I went through the traditions with, she's like, you know, these apply to you. You can apply all the traditions directly to your life. And I'm going, how? And she had me replace where it said AA replace my name with it. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, Amy ought never endorse finance or lend the, well, Lay name to any really, but to apply it to me personally, like actually, you know, because I love money and I love power and I love prestige yeah, and I sure. love being in a position of authority. I don't like authority being done to me, but I like being in a position of authority. You know, those are the things, my defects mm -hmm. thrive. Those are the things that, that my defects are made of. So it's kind of like that, a little bit of a correlation to the sixth step as well almost it's like keeping mm -hmm. those defects personally keeping those defects in check so that you know i'm remembering that yep i have a primary purpose and that's to help another sick and suffering alcoholic everything else is secondary the clamoring for money can get in the way and it can get really loud right it's like i took a long you know went back to school and focused on my career for a while and you know did step back a little bit from sponsorship and those things and and I could feel the spiritual effect of that, you know, mm -hmm. and that's not to say that it was, you know, power hungry or money mad, but it was still like the focus was off just enough to notice. And I yeah. think that that, you know, bringing it back to the, the personal aspect of the traditions, like I can apply all of them in my life. Mm -hmm. When it says too in language of the heart, uh, and this was written in May, 1948, it says, we explain this easily enough. We don't need money. <laughs> Talking about AA, you know, I mean, of yes. course, personally, we need money, but um, it says the core of our AA procedure is one alcoholic talking to another, whether that be sitting on a curbstone in a home or at a meeting. It's the message, not the place. It's the talk, not the mm. aims. So, mm. you know, that just kind of brings it down to even with family or friends or whomever, like when I am trying to not necessarily be flashy, but sometimes with my family who never believed I was an alcoholic to begin with because their drinking was similar to mine probably and who still think it's crazy that, you know, years later I'm still attending AA meetings and I'm active and, you know, sometimes I will try to just show them 
Um, well, I'm doing better now though. Like, look at all this stuff. Look at my life. Look at what's going on here. Um, and I'm glad that this kind of brings it back down to, Hey, I can just talk to my family. Like, I don't have to rent out a whole beach house for everyone and be like, look at all this amazing stuff. You know, like it can just be like, I can have a conversation and be a daughter by picking up the phone. Sometimes it doesn't have to be like some kind of outlandish situation Yeah. because I get money insecure. I mean, I will save every single dollar. I will squeeze a nickel as much as I can. Mm. Amy, you going to read something there? Oh, well, no, it was funny. I had the exact that I was getting ready to read. Oh, yeah. Susie had <laughs> beat you to Susie, it. Susie beat you to you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much to help another alcoholic. No, it just, really doesn't. Uh, just your heart and your and some honesty and your experience. The other stuff can get in the way. Oh. Yeah. Shank, you want to move on to meeting shrapnel? Here we go. Meeting shrapnel. This uh -huh. is our segment of lore, myth, and sayings frequently heard in AA. All right, Amy, buckle up. I'm buckled. Our meeting shrapnel number one is stick and stay. What do y'all think about that one? What the hell is that? Where does it come from? I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, who says that? A lot of people around here. It's more of like the, you know, after you say the Lord's Prayer or the Wii version mm -hmm. of the, yeah. And people like do the hand things. The you chant. Know, they like y yank they your chant, hands down and they stick. chant. Stick and stay. Yeah. Stick and stay. Well, so they used to say, keep coming back. It works if you're working, right? Or I yeah. guess a lot of places still say that. And then a guy from North Carolina, Wallace, I think he's the one that started like, hey, just stay. Yeah, don't keep coming back. Just stay. Uh -huh. Right. Mm -hmm. If you just stay, you don't have to keep coming back. And now stick and stay. I think somebody did somebody text this to us. I think so. Oh. I think this was yeah. a this was a listener contribution. Listener contribution. Mm -hmm. Is it like a stick with the winners? Day? Maybe like a, like a yeah. mashup of a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, I like the mashup concept. That's exactly <laughs> might be what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like a good mashup. <laughs> yes, but yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know, Amy. Do you want to keep it or scrap it? Do I get to call it? Yeah, Stick keep and it or stay. scrap it. Oh, scrap that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, scrap that. Mm. Come on, Jerry. You want to keep it or scrap it? I'm scrapping it. All right, it's out of here. Our meeting shrapnel number two. I didn't get into trouble every time I drank, but every time I got in trouble, I was drinking. That's the damn truth. I, I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> Are you going to start using it now? You're like, Wait I a minute, like that sounds that pretty good. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think that's a bad one. That one doesn't, that one doesn't bother me. Does that bother you guys? Well, it's it's just not true for me. Uh, so, 
because you get in trouble without drinking. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that's what I've never understood. And even in AA, a lot of people will associate their their drinking with trouble, or you know they always gotten you know all their trouble was associated with drinking. That's not true for me. I mean that's not that's so far. From, and I know it's true for some people. I'm not I'm not saying that's not true for some people. I mean, like Shank never, never got in trouble and she got in trouble one time and went to prison. So yeah. everybody has their own experience, but I got in a lot of trouble sober. I'm just a chaotic, rebellious dude. And I mean, I just did, I didn't have to drink to get into trouble. No, I didn't either. Now I can get into trouble, but most of the big trouble was when I was drinking. That's when I was getting arrested and that's when I was, you know, breaking bones. And that's when I, you know, all that stuff I wasn't doing when I wasn't drinking. Now I would do like when I was a kid, do stupid stuff and, you know, but I, I kind of like this one. All right. Well, some you know. of the most, some of the most brutal fights I got in, I was stone cold Stone's sober. Over. <laughs> I, I, I shoplifted sober. I stole vehicles sober. I shot up a few houses sober. I guess it depends on what trouble is too. Is that legal trouble? Is that emotional trouble? Is that? Yeah, I yeah, mean it's. A, I, I, I'm sure it's actually f very factual for some people. Yeah, just not me. <laughs> I mean, I, are you gonna keep it or scrap it? I've gotten a lot of trouble sober. I well, so have I. <laughs> See, now Amy? I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Do I gotta tell you I'm talking her out of it, Shane. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, we might need to get rid of this one. <laughs> It's kind of like that one, it's my least favorite one, that uh, my my worst day sober is better than my best day drinking. Mm -hmm. That that damn sure ain't true for me. Not true. Had some crap anyway. days sober and some good days drunk. Yes. Amy, what are you going to do with it? Keep it or scrap it? <laughs> oh, Don't let God. me influence you. Well, the more I think about it, it's trash. it isn't as true, but... When I would hear this in meetings, when I was getting sober, like I would hear this in meetings, it really drove home. I was drinking every time I got into the big, the big ones that that got me sober. So I, I think I keep it. I think I keep it just for that reason. I'm trying not to think okay. about it too hard. Okay. But we might Jerry, have to keep you, you keeping or scrapping. Well, this one might stay. I'm scrapping it, but I got oh. a sense that you might take it. <laughs> I'm scrapping it. it. Huh? All right, all right. I'm scrapping this out of here. All right. all right, Shank, what's next? All right. Our third meeting shrapnel is I'm just a garden variety drunk. Just another bozo on the bus. I'm just a bozo on the bus. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I've ever said either one of those things. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, what I am a garden variety drunk now. Don't get me wrong, but. Mm -mm. What's 
Shank, maybe we should Google garden variety. I, mean, I what did. Is, See, I knew we were going to run into this. So What's it's it? ordinary, common, unexceptional. So you're just a common drunk. No, that's not me. That's not <laughs> any of us. But more, well, no, but when you're talking about like, you know, in context of, I'm no, what I did was no better, no worse than what any of y'all did. I'm just a garden variety drunk. I know that's what it means, Amy. Thanks Ugh. for bringing me down. I, but still. Josh. <sighs> why would you say it? It's kind of like saying you're a grateful recovering alcoholic. It's just unnecessary. Well, mm. I know that I have heard it just, from someone who says it because she just like, I mean, she got through medical school. She did all this stuff. And she's like, mm, I, just, I just drank too much. So like, she doesn't like to speak at meetings. And I'm like, that's why it's important. Like a lot mm. of people don't go to prison, don't get pulled over. Like a lot of people just are alcoholics yeah. because of their drinking and they don't have the circumstances that some did well right and consequences right. and circumstances don't get you sober anyway it sounds like they do sometimes but i know that's why she says it she's just like well i mean i was just so, a lot of wine so they see it as kind of like an an act of humility or something like hey i'm nothing i'm no different or no nothing special i'm just a ordinary alcoholic Maybe they should just say that instead of garden variety. <laughs> I know. Why say the words garden variety? It just sounds so stupid. It is stupid. I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, what do you going to do? Well, I've heard it a lot. I don't know if y'all have heard it a lot. but I've heard it a lot. I've heard it a lot. That and Bozo mm -hmm. on the Bus, I hear it all the time. And I'm just like, stop. And Man. there's people that I actually really like and have looked up to that say both of them. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say it. I hope nobody, I hope I've never said it, but Amy, are you going to keep it? Scrap it. No, I'm scrapping that thing. I'm scrapping it. Shank? It's out of here. Yes. All right. Now listen, let's throw in this bonus one that we talked about. Okay. What's the bonus? The, the, uh, um, AA, AA will give you a life that will take you away from AA. Did we are did we not already do that one? Did we do it? Did I don't know. It? Maybe maybe it's on the list. She means I it another put it on the list in a previous mm -hmm. episode. We may have covered it in a previous episode, but it just kind of popped in my mind when we were talking about this tradition. So. Because you'll hear people in tradition meetings when they talk about AA and their, the sixth tradition in their personal life, they'll, they'll mm -hmm. kind of reference that the, the, the drive for money or, you know, having, having a job, getting a busy job or going to school or having a bunch of kids got them, you know, away from Alcoholics Anonymous. So what do you think about that one? I don't know. That one doesn't bother me. I, I it's true it does ring true to me like i got busy i got i had a kid i got married i did all the things although i still kept my kept feet in but not as in as i was so i can i can see like personal experiences but yeah it did give me a life that kind of pulled me away a little bit that one doesn't that one doesn't bother me either 
What do you think, Jerry? Why does it, why does it bother well, you so much? Well, it might be true. It's just dumb to me. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I don't know if it's true. Maybe your own selfishness and self-centeredness pulled you away from AA. I mean, well, AA didn't do it. AA didn't have an opinion. Oh, well, that's pretty, we haven't gotten there yet, I, but I understand the I understand the the context of it. Um, and I, I don't, probably well, it I've, just hasn't I've, happened for me yet. That's why I want to scrap it. <laughs> oh, I, wait I've, a minute! I've used it. Uh, yeah, not not personally. I've I've said it. I've said, well, I've seen this happen to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. I don't even like saying something, but I've been fortunate that I personally haven't done it. I mean, when my life's gotten busy, I've doubled down on stuff, probably to my fault, actually. But, I mean, I you see it happen to people, but I don't know if AA did it. But I don't think it's saying that AA did it. No. Jerry, it's saying the life did it, not AA. Mmm. Okay. Hey. Mm. I'm easily swayed sometimes. I'll give you one, Amy. Well, let me ask you this question. Is it something you would say in a meeting? No. Shank, would you say it? No. No. It's, it's out of here. It's out of here. No, I don't like saying any of these stupid things. They all no. sound so just yeah. like, just be real, you know? Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it is, is it just seems so manufactured. And yes. when I have that's, said things like this, it's because I heard someone else say it. And I'm like, exactly <laughs> oh, that must repeat. be what I'm supposed to say in AA. I'm going to yeah. say that. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to put it, Shank. It's manufactured. It's very good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scrap it. All right. I'm it's scrapping. Out of here. Let's out go. of here. All right. Hey, don't let AA give you a life that'll take you away from AA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Amy, we appreciate you coming on and being with us. Thanks for having me. This was fun. It's been a good time and we appreciate your experience and your insights. Join us next week for Tradition 7. We're going to talk about money with Matt. Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be a good one. In the meantime, be free. Freedom. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.